Welcome to Those Catholic Shrinks with Lisa and Regina. Your favorite podcast about mind, body, and soul. Welcome. This is Andy. (laughs) And you are listening to Those Catholic Shrinks with Lisa and Regina. Did I overdo the the NPR voice? No, I think it was perfect. You nailed it. So, full disclosure... um, to your regular listeners out there, I'm kind of geeked out. This is the first podcast I've ever been on. So, <laughs> And this is not actually Regina and Lisa with laryngitis. This is, this is Dan and Andy, the husbands of Regina and Lisa, alongside Regina and Lisa. <laughs> so welcome, everyone. <laughs> um, tonight's episode is um, What Every Husband wants their wife to know, what husbands want their wives to know. And so we thought it would be fun, Lisa and I thought it would be fun to invite our husbands here and just hear, you know, straight from the source and go straight to the source and hear what it is that we think is helpful in a marriage, you know, mm-hmm. for for women to know. Yeah, we talk about them a lot. We do talk about them <laughs> a lot. So why not have a chance yeah. for you all to meet them and hear from them? This is proof that we actually exist. <laughs> <laughs> A shtick for the listeners. Um, and we will not tell you what we're drinking tonight, but it's not know, tea. It's not tea, but you know we're together. It's a date night, double mm-hmm. date, and we we are having a great time. <laughs> Children are asleep in bed. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you know, overall, importantly, I think we really want to talk about how spouses. Hopefully, we'll come to the end of this learning about how spouses can help each other mm. um, grow um, in their vocations together. Wow. So, yeah. so husbands, what do you want us to know about marriage? You first, Andy. I get to go first? <laughs> um, well, so I guess my first one, I, I would say, um, I'll, I'll entitle this, Say What You Mean. Um <laughs> So I know Lisa and I, when we first uh, when we first got married, even when we were dating and stuff like that, um, we would experience a lot of frustration in our relationship um, because it didn't seem like we were communicating very well. Um, mm. And one of my frustrations uh, at the time, and that was one frustration among many, many, many joys. So I, I want to try to avoid the evil eye. Right <laughs> <laughs> anybody can see that. Um, it was just sometimes, you know, I think that she would expect me to know, you know, what the emotional implications of, of a statement were or something like that. And I'm fine. Right. right. <laughs> and so in my head, it, I would hear I'm fine. Like, okay, she said she's fine. You know? um, I guess she really does want to watch football all day. Yeah. Red alert, red alert. <laughs> Not a good thing to say to a woman ever. Um, and I do feel like a turning point in our marriage was where you finally started to kind of take it at face value when I said, look, like, I want to be there for you. I want to hear, um, you know, what's going on. I want to know what your opinion is, but, like, you need to tell me what it is. Mm. Um, I, I can't read your mind. Um, you know, that's that's not a way. You know, I grew up, I think you and I are really an interesting case study, right, because mm-hmm. you are the youngest of three sisters mm. and I am the oldest of three brothers. And so um, <laughs> I had almost no experience in, in, you know, deeper 
relationships with with women, and mm -hmm. you had also experienced deeper relationships with men. Yeah. Um, and we do communicate very differently, and I think that that's one one thing that I think, off the top of my head, if I could say to aspiring wives out there, new wives out there with their husbands, <laughs> or, um, aspiring wives. Oh yeah, that's a positive way of saying it, right? Yeah. Um, that. Like, be clear in your communication. Like, I'm not yeah. going to be offended if you come out and just clearly say, when you did this, it disappointed me. Or, yeah. um, you know, quit leaving your beard hair in the toothpaste or something like that. <laughs> That's so. a real argument. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a joke. But, like, and it's funny because it was so, it was very world-altering for me, like, realizing that because I kind of grew up with, and I think this is, like, society in general teaches women this, is, like, You've got to like test them. Like, I'm just gonna say fine because I want to see if he's actually gonna make the effort to make it better, mm -hmm. as though he, with the the erroneous assumption that he knows what's wrong. Right. And so it becomes this like in a lot of times in women's mind of like, I'm gonna I'm not gonna say what I mean because I want to see if he's going to <clears throat> push farther and make it better himself or fix it without me having to tell him to. So it becomes this weird testing game. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of that like kind of growing up in in just popular culture and like TV and movies. Mm -hmm. Like that's where I saw that dynamic play out and I just kind of thought like, okay, well this is what I do. This is what it, how it's supposed to be. And so when you're like just tell me when you're mad at me, I'm like no, like that. <laughs> I'm not supposed to tell you. You're supposed to figure it out. Like, right. But in the end, like that just becomes this horrible game where like nobody is ever being honest with one another. Right. And like it, it took a while before I finally trusted you enough to do it, and then like. And I totally bit your head off and cried. Right. <laughs> no. no. Didn't happen. Um. But, and it's, it's taken years because it becomes a habit of like testing people. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to see if you're going to know what's wrong. Um, and I see it all over Facebook too. Like, like when a woman says fine, she doesn't really mean fine. Like it's more than that. Like mm -hmm. they have a list of like words that women say and then what it like actually means. It. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I laugh at it. <clears throat> and yet at the same time, I know it's actually incredibly unhealthy. Um, because a huge part of what makes a marriage wonderful and good is honesty and transparency. And so I kind of agree with you. Yeah, like we should say what we mean. And how much of a blessing was that that I think we were able to figure that out before we had kids? I mean, our, oh, Lord, our yes. you know, we have a two-year-old and a five-month-old. And particular two-year-old at this point is just, you know, very demanding. He's a two-year-old and he's a lot like me I, when I was two. And... Um, so life can seem chaotic at times. And so it's nice now that like you can turn to me and say to me, hey, I just need a minute. Like mm -hmm. I'm gonna, you know, I need to go walk around the block or something. Um, and could you imagine if we were still in a place where like, I'm supposed to figure out if you need a minute. Meanwhile, like I need yeah. a minute or, you know, <laughs> stuff's going on, so. Very true. Um, that's been a real blessing in, in our marriage, mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah. I really appreciate that you called this out as a form of dishonesty. Hmm. Um, by saying like there's a need for for real honesty here and anytime that's not present then quite naturally it's got to be dishonesty and it's almost like it's one of those accepted vices yeah. in society that it's okay for me to not be like clear and honest in what I'm communicating to this other person because there's some expectation for them to uh, 
to figure the almost the stereotypical response is to read your mind mm-hmm. um, and it's it wouldn't take you don't have to be able to read someone's mind to know like okay this person's not fine they don't really mean do whatever you want um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it does give you plausible deniability. It which does. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, like, I'll, I'll come down on the other side of, of this a little bit just to say um, it has been very helpful for me to recognize. So Regina's done a great job of learning to tell me what she really means and to not give those, those kind of canned responses that really just mean, like, guess what I'm really mad about or you should know and I'm mad that you don't. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm more mad that you can't tell what I'm mad about. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. you're sitting here like, uh, what's the right answer? <laughs> but I, I still think it's it's virtuous for men and it's very healthy for, for marriages if men learn to anticipate those and if we see that coming to say like, look, okay, I know you're like, there's something that's bothering you and that's important to me and I'm like, I, I'm upset that I don't know what that is, or I'm sorry that I don't know what that is. Will you please help me? Right. Um, and I think anytime someone's willing to to acknowledge, like, okay, I need help with this, then that that can help slip past some of those barriers of frustration just to get into real communication. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, to all the ladies in waiting out there, I mean, you are going to save yourself so much heartache and frustration if you just get straight to the point and it's hard because I feel like what you were saying with the culture when we're taught and I do think there is you know I'm generalizing but I I do think there's a little bit of different styles of communication to men and women whether we were trained to believe it through media or whatever but Mm -hmm. you know I feel like I read a blog once where a mom was sharing what it's like to raise only boys (laughs) and I think her boys were in middle school or something like that like or maybe like 11 or 12 or something like that and uh, a girl comes to the door and she's selling Girl Scout cookies and the boys are upstairs wrestling and like picking each other's boogers and doing like crazy boy things like girl comes to the door like one of them rolls down the stairs she had asked for one of the her boys and she was selling Girl Scout cookies but then she also said Susie wants to know if you like her or not, and if you do, like, can you please, like, X, Y, Z. And she had just explained whatever nasty boy thing they were doing, like, literally 30 seconds before, like, this girl came to the door. <laughs> and she was, she wrote the blog basically saying, girls, you have no idea. You're wasting your time. <laughs> they are not even close to thinking about a relationship at all at yep. this age. You know, and speaking to younger girls, like high mm-hmm. school. So... To the point of, you know, I feel like as women, we kind of get into this process of thinking and saying, okay, I'm going to write a note or bump into him in the hallway and this. And mm-hmm. if you just outright and said it, you would save yourself so much time Yeah. and find out right away if he is or is not interested or if mm-hmm. you are in a relationship, whatever the problem is, just get to the point mm-hmm. and it will just make life so much easier yes. in the long run. <laughs> and honestly, if whoever you're with can't handle that level of honesty, it's like, oh, well, why would you ask me that? Or like, then you, that's probably not a relationship you want to be in right. to begin with. And I think we feel like we can't or we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like if we do that, something is wrong and, you know, yeah. somehow you're not really in love because you don't just know what's wrong with the other person. And Yeah. 
you know, that's not true. That's, no. And this is something you and I talk about a lot is like relationships require intentionality. Mm-hmm. And there's this false idea, like you're saying, that you should just know or you should just always be in love. And But no, like relationships and love require you to intentionally put forth effort. Right. And that's when relationships are good and healthy. And so saying like, okay, I know I'm mad. And so from the female perspective to what you're saying, Andy, like, I know I'm mad. I wish he could just figure it out. Because it would just be easier if he could just figure it out, to be honest. Like, (laughs) can you not see that that this toddler has slapped me in the face? (laughs) The baby has had a blowout diaper. (laughs) Like, I didn't sleep last night. You should just know I need a minute. Well, I, I have, but I have obvious. a full method of figuring out that's never failed me in the past. Mm. Like I just turned you, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell me the answer. It's like, it's like Googling it, you know? <laughs> the answer's just right in front of you. 0.03 yeah. seconds. <laughs> but it does, it requires effort on my part to say, like, I need a Because it there's a vulnerability that comes right. in admitting that you are not perfect mm. and admitting that I need your help mm-hmm. or I'm something's I'm upset about something. Cause even if I feel wounded, like there's a vulnerability that comes in, like you hurt my feelings mm-hmm. versus like being able to put up that crusty exterior, but you should just know. Right. Like that's so much easier, mm-hmm. but easier doesn't always make a great relationship. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you had some other points, gentlemen. So the next one is, and this might not be true of every husband, but it's true of me. I am single focused. I am not ignoring you. (laughs) And this especially happens when I would say I'm, I'm doing something that is both, um, like deeply, uh, cognitive or intellectual like fixing something and at the same time using my hands. So it requires really all of the brain power I have, whether that's a lot or a little, it's using (laughs) all of it. And so I can recall, I don't know how, but I can recall many conversations where you, you may have said something and it kind of sort of like registered deep in the, in the back of my mind, but I was so focused on what I was doing really to just make sure that I did it right and did it well, that I didn't stop to engage in this other stimuli because at the time this seemed really important. <laughs> so now I'm, I want to be really careful here because there are, I think there are times when men need to like to step out of that reverie. Mm. And the big one would be watching TV. Like I, I don't know that watching TV is, is very often, if ever so important that you can't stop what you're doing to engage in a meaningful conversation mm-hmm. with someone else. Right. Um, so uh, if it's a football game, that's fine. But right. it's not live sports. <laughs> right, right. Can you tell that Andy has a bias? <laughs> <laughs> um, so sports is actually the one I was thinking of because yeah. it seems to be the one that most people justify ignoring their family to engage in. Um, <laughs> I'm giving Andy the eye. <laughs> Can you edit this thing? Yeah. <laughs> Just take this part uh, out. <laughs> but uh, so I, I, I think um, where I'm coming here is I just finished up my doctoral dissertation. So I had a lot of deep focused work and writing and reading. And that necessitated that I completely focus on what I was doing, which meant that sometimes 
if I heard other things, I had to block it out. Otherwise, I would just never get anything done. Yeah. Um, so there's prudence definitely comes into play here in learning when, okay, when is it okay to, to block everything out and really just focus on a task? Um, so I guess really what I'm, this is a long-winded way of saying, we're not ignoring you. Uh, when we do this, it's simply like this is, this is just the focus of, this is our way of saying like, I think this is so important. So let's say you're fixing the air conditioner, you're fixing, uh, like I remember recently I was working on the car a little bit and someone was talking to me, but I don't remember who it was. It may have been Regina, it may have been like <laughs> another, it may have been, it may have been your parents, they were over here at the time, um, it may have been the neighbor for all I know, but what I was doing was more important because the baby. Like, this, is, this, is, like, this is a family duty, like my wife needs her car, so I have to take care of this. Um, and I, I at least feel like it's okay to say like, I need to be completely focused on this so I do it right. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm ignoring you because I'm doing it for you. Right, and I think that is important to know because there have been many times where I have felt slighted and as if, you know, you weren't being present or something like that. But <clears throat> just realizing, I think, the difference of your intentions mm -hmm. makes a big difference as far as, you know, how I would interpret a situation. And also just, you know, instead of just walking up in mid-conversation like having a thought while you're in the middle of something being able to say oh is now a good time to talk about this right. <laughs> and that could have avoided a lot of yeah. <laughs> situations as well instead of just my i'm mid-thought just coming up in the middle of something and so you know that's mm -hmm. kind of understandable that that's not always going to meet up and match at the right time so yeah and to what you said about time i would say something that i think has been really helpful for our marriage um, so I used to be a history teacher, so I'm a total nerd about history and politics and stuff like that. So we have our, we have our family meeting um, once a week. I, I stole that from um, living with the Brotherhood of Hope. They would have like a household meeting every week. So I'm like, all right, we're going to have a family meeting every week. And uh, we call it our State of the Union because I'm a history nerd. Um, <laughs> but part of that, we actually um, have a section of our family meeting every week that the title from this is stolen from Seinfeld. These are really, you know, important sources, but we have <laughs> deep historic. Yeah, yes. <laughs> absolutely. We have a part called the airing of the grievances, and um, and but it's actually really helpful for us. We've been faithful to having that mm. family meeting and to to having you know different things that we know we're going to discuss every week. Where like if I'm in the middle of something that you know if I'm trying to. I don't know what for like six months last year I was fixing the garage or something <laughs> um, you know something that has to get done so that like our house doesn't fall down on top of us or so the, the car works mm -hmm. or something and you want to talk about something and it's admittedly very important but it's like right now like you yeah. know because it can't have that conversation now it's been very helpful for us to have a time set aside where we know if if it's important that we need to have mm -hmm. a, a deeper conversation that we can have that. So I can turn to you and say, hey, can we talk about that State of the Union? Yeah. And we'll actually even like write it down in the calendar. Hey, we're going to talk about this. When we That's meet. good. Mm -hmm. That's um, good. So it's been helpful to kind of navigate that for us. Yeah. So too. I think especially for me, it's helpful for me because like oh, uh, our tea fell over. The tea tried to skip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get really upset like when Andy tells me like, Oh, like I don't have time to talk about that right now. Um, because in my mind, when I'm upset about something, now is the only moment to talk about it. Like right. this needs to be addressed in the moment because I have like anxiety and like I don't have time in my life. And if we're going to address an issue, 
this is the moment we address it. Um, and so what ends up happening is it's like a vicious cycle. So I get anxious and then I nag Andy about it and I feel better in the moment and really quick. So what happens is anytime I feel upset about something, I immediately like tell him. And so he's constantly getting barraged by these like little annoyances that I never have to filter out because it just helps me feel better in the moment. So what the airing of the grievances has done is, and then I feel super annoyed when he ignores me in that moment where I'm like, this is really upsetting to me. And he's like, like the garage instance, like there was like literally live wires hanging from our ceiling. And I'm like, why aren't you listening to me? And there's like sparks flying. It's like, oh, probably because you don't want to die. Um, but what the airing of the grievances does is like, okay, I can table this unless somebody is actually going to die. I can table this until Monday and I'll talk to him about it on Monday. And sometimes what happens is I just completely forget to talk to him about it. And what that means is, is like, I dodged a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really what it means is it probably wasn't that important anyways. It was probably me just being anxious in the moment. But if I can remember it until Monday, there's probably a little bit more substance to it. And so throughout the week, Andy isn't being nagged by me. But then also, like, I'm able to talk to him about the things that are really bothering me. And in that moment, like, he can't just walk away. Like, this is the thing that we're doing. Right now, you're not fixing a car. You're not fixing live wires. We're having our State of the Union, and we're talking about something. So we've kind of, like, I've worked with Andy, like, we've kind of come to this moment of, like, yeah, no, like, there are times when you're distracted, I need you in moments when you're not. So can we make that space in our week when you're not distracted and I have your full attention? And this doesn't mean we're having like three hour long hearing of the grievances. It usually is about like two or three minutes and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's annoying. I think the most recent one has been you, your grievance was towards me. Just close the refrigerator door. <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently I've been leaving it open a lot. Also <laughs> the front door, the back door, the car door. <laughs> Like, I'm going to quote my grandfather, like, um, you know, what is it? Um, I'm not paying to, to air condition the outside. Or <laughs> yeah. But I will say that we'll, the one thing that we do with the airing of the grievances is if we have an airing, because we don't have it every week. Because sometimes it's like, I don't have any grievances. But if we have one, we always end it with, here's what I appreciated about mm. you for the week. Mm. So it's not just, right. nah, you're making me angry. Right. angry but um, <clears throat> it's also ending on a positive note, too. But I do think, like, it's important to know, like, yes, there's moments where you are distracted and you don't, I don't have your full attention, but when can we make a moment when I do have your full attention? Right. right. And there are, there, are, there are definitely times where it's okay to be interrupted. Like, playing on your phone is one of them. Right. Um, <laughs> you're probably not doing anything so important on your phone that you can't stop. Right. right. <laughs> uh, but on the flip side, there's almost... And I don't know if this is because of phones or, or just other stuff, but it's almost like there's an expectation that people should be always and immediately available yeah. uh, to give you their attention and mm -hmm. their time. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Like mm -mm. a certain amount of leisure and focus should be afforded to people. So right. if I see someone reading a book, I typically don't ask them what they're reading because I know it's annoying to be asked like, well, I'm not what are reading, reading anymore. Not yet, no. nothing now. <laughs> um, and I think that applies to a lot of things in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, 
to what you were saying. I feel like I talk to couples that I work with about that all the time, you know, because a lot of people get frustrated. They'll want to talk about something. They'll bring something up. Oh, we don't have time to talk about this now. We'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. But later never comes because no one actually sets a date. And, and I say, you have to write it down. You have to yes. say, we are going to talk about this issue within the next 24 hours or 36 hours or mm-hmm. whatever works for your schedule. But, you know, making sure that you have that plan because it honors the person who has the desire to address something, mm-hmm. but it also honors the other person who needs some time yeah. and some space based on whatever it is that they're doing or they're too frustrated in the mm-hmm. moment. You know, sometimes we try to address things in the heat of the moment, yep. and that's not a good idea either. So, you know, making sure, again, with that intentionality that you're... Mm-hmm. And I think we as women are so emotion-focused. We're like, this is an issue, so it must be addressed now. Mm-hmm. And men are so, like... I'm going to say problem focused in like, okay, the car's broken. This needs to be fixed now. And I think if like men and women were to put, okay, there's a problem with the car and there's a problem with my emotions. Which one should you address first? The car. (laughs) (laughs) The one I know I can fix. (laughs) Yeah. And I like, I'll work on the car. Like, I don't really care how I feel when I, when I work on the car. Cause I like, I see the I, I see how that impedes life more than I see how my emotions impede. And I'm not saying that's the right view. Like, I laugh because I'm like, no, I'd rather walk to work than be upset about something. Yeah. <laughs> but Andy, you were gonna say something? Um, well that was a minute ago, so <laughs> No, well, I would say I mean this is kind of going off of the topic a little bit, but I would say one thing I was surprised most about was more to um, the male listeners of your audience, you know, your aspiring husbands out there, um, is how important it is in marriage to be intentional about things. I, mean, mm-hmm. I know when we first got into marriage, um, my thought about being intentional about things were if you have to be intentional about something, this isn't this thing isn't working. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if we love each other, this stuff will just work itself out. And, you know, Regina, you kept talking about the importance of intentionality about things. And, um, I was, I know when we were first married, I was very, very skeptical about being intentional. Like, we don't need to meet every week. We don't need to, like, talk about these things. We'll be fine. And, no, you do. And it's just because we're human beings, you know? So you have to, um, I'm not saying you have to be totally intentional about everything. You can definitely swing the pendulum too far. But Mm -hmm. um, I would say that, for me, was something I was genuinely surprised about. Um, Mm. And but I think it's like a great revelation and it's brought a lot of freedom to our relationship. So yeah. I think Literally. that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. I think we had one more point, right? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, so this one. this one, I was, I was really waiting for this one. I'm excited. <laughs> so we don't tend to analyze possible and I probably really should say every possible motive that people have for their actions. We, um, <laughs> um, we tend to take things at face value. So that's ridiculous. When, um, in a, in a, so I would argue there's a certain amount of charity in um, either not guessing what someone's motives are or attributing actually the very best possible motive possible motive to their decision. Mm. Um, so when 
another girl comes to the dance wearing the same dress, we would never, it would never even enter, like, we might not even notice it's the same dress. <laughs> we might not even notice my wife was wearing a dress. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm not that bad. Yeah. Um, I think she was wearing a pantsuit. <laughs> But the car she got out of was cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, we like we wouldn't think like she wore that dress to spite you. We would just think like if we thought about it at all, which we probably wouldn't, <laughs> but that she wore the dress because she liked it, <laughs> which seems very uh, reasonable to me. Like you wear clothes because you think they get the job done, right? Um, and if that job means impressing other people, then that like that dress must get the job done. And, right. Um, <laughs> and so again, I think there's there's probably room for for trying to understand people's motives and um, men can certainly learn from women in this area. Mm. Um, but I think this is very helpful in uh, in especially spousal relationships and spousal interactions where when men do something, that action, I, I think most men would say we'd appreciate it if that action was appreciated just for the sake of the action itself. Mm-hmm. Um, was it taking a face value? Yeah, taking a face so, like, value. I can't. Yeah, like I remember I've been, so I've bought wine and I've bought flowers for Regina before, not because I did anything bad, but because I wanted to. Yeah. And the number of times where the the person at the store who was who was taking the order said, "Oh, or you must be you must be in the doghouse," like, why would you assume that I had done something wrong? Like, why can't you assume that I'm just doing this out of out of love? And so, um, I think if you just take the action at face value, like this person did something nice for another person, um, that opens you up to happiness immediately, mm-hmm. um, rather than. Uh, possibly going down a, a road of, of sinful judgmentalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's freeing too. Like I I feel more free because I don't I don't know I don't feel like I I have to be there constantly like sussing out you know oh did they mean this or did they mean this well they did this so I'm just gonna assume it was this I'm gonna act that way you know um, yeah that was not specific at all but hey that's, <laughs> that's good yeah. no. I think if um, I could be wrong, but I think this is just good emotional intelligence to recognize there are almost an an infinite number of reasons why someone could do something. Right. Um, And Mm. you probably don't have it all figured out. Right. Um, So if you're getting all worked up over this for no reason, um, or not for no reason, but because you think you know the reason, right. Mm. You're probably at least partially wrong. Right. Um, So do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Right. Um, Right, I want to be happy. Sorry, yeah, that's you not what I, mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to be happy. Yeah. I I'm going to say this is this is a point that I have the hardest time with, that of the three that you've made so far, because like part of me is wants to push back on that and be like, yeah, that's that is a mentality that is setting you up to be taken advantage of on a regular basis, like in our world, like and and I'm not saying this as a truth. I'm saying this is like part of me that's like, mm, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there are people with nefarious motives and people who, and so I would say in marriage, I 100% know I need to take what Andy says and does at face value in marriage. Right, right. Outside of marriage, in other relationships, 
I'm not as likely to do this. I will. I'll definitely grant that. So, okay. and, and I'm, I'm primarily thinking like husband, spouse, or husband wife okay. relationship. Okay. All right. Here. That makes now, sense. like, if you're a police officer and you talk to somebody that you're suspecting of doing drugs, I do not suggest that you <laughs> like, the best possible. He motives. said he wasn't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> said, yeah. yeah. Okay. You just hold it for. That a clarifies it better yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. In marriage, like, if you, I mean, and there's certain instances where, like where maybe there's a pattern of of emotional abuse or you know like there's caveats to yes, this yeah. but generally if your marriage is healthy i yes yeah, okay yeah. so I'll, i'm going to retract my previous okay, statement. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. well and dan and i did discuss a little before the podcast like is our perception of like what wives are like skewed because we're married to mental health counselors. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trained to analyze everything. Yeah. Every single little yeah. thing. Yeah. So it might be heightened in our in our own personal Because marriages. honestly, I'm the woman behind you in the grocery store line that's like flowers, chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you do, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> but yet I would imagine Andy's probably done that. On more than one occasion, just out of out of pure love. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he does do that. Yeah. And then he brings the flowers home. Like, what did you do? No, that's, <laughs> yeah. not. that's what TV shows want yeah. you to do. Like, right. why'd you right. choose those flowers? Uh, <laughs> these were three ninety nine. I will say it was a game changer because, like, one of the things I don't like are like the flowers that clearly have been like. This is a tangent, but that have been like artificially colored. They're like neon pink right. or like neon blue. Like what flower is neon blue? <laughs> um, and I've always told it, I'm like, those are like artificially created. And like Lisa, not usually, just, not usually right after I gave them to her. Let's just yeah, no. <laughs> but like also Lisa, could you just be grateful? Could you just be grateful? But um, recently that happened. He's like, <laughs> he gave them to Jimmy to like run into the toddler, to run in with them. Like, mommy, I got you flowers. Well, can, I, can I give some backstory there? Yeah. So Jimmy and I went to Publix and we're sitting there. I'm like, Jimmy, let's get mommy some flowers. He goes, yeah. I go, okay, buddy, pick out the flowers. And he picks to like, you know, the most neon bright blue ones. <laughs> I'm like, you sure, buddy? <laughs> These are the one mommy wants, okay. So Jimmy comes running through the door with the flowers like, mommy, I got you flowers. And Andy's behind him like, he picked them out. <laughs> she picks them out. Like, oh, okay, Lisa, you need to tone that down a little bit. <laughs> so of course you told him you hated them. Let me go back to it. Clearly, yeah. yeah. But I, but I do think this is another one of those points though where vulnerability I think comes into play. Mm. Yeah. Like, am I going to be vulnerable and allow myself to believe that you really are saying what you mean? Because if I really believe it, if I let myself believe it. If I let myself hope that it's true, that you love me, or that you just got these because you care about me, or any other number of things, if I really believe that, is it possible that you're lying to me and that you might come back and hurt me? Right. And I think a lot of that comes from past wounds. Like, we've all been wounded in our past, and so marriage is a place where, like, the Lord is going to shine the light on those wounds. And I think this is a moment where it's... I don't want to sit, believe what you're saying at face value because I'm scared you might not be saying it truthfully and I might get hurt again, right. like right. A, B, or C in my past. And so I think a lot of times that's why at least we as women struggle with this is I don't want to be duped again. And marriage is a place where you should practice that and you should be saying, like, okay, I'm going to make myself vulnerable in this moment 
and believe this person who I dearly love is not going to hurt me. And it's, I mean, it's not always the case. Sometimes we do hurt one another. Right. Um, and that's part of marriage. But hopefully more, more often than not, we're proving ourselves to be true. Yeah. Well, and it's opportunities for growth and healing. So God can yeah. use your marriage to bring healing mm-hmm. from those past wounds and show mm-hmm. you when you're in the context of a strong, healthy relationship. And I feel like it's a little bit of stepping out in, in faith when you have that vulnerability, when you're willing to be vulnerable. And how many times do we have to trust God? And, you know, everybody, you know, you know logically, yes, God loves me and he cares about me and he wants to see me be happy. But then when you're in those tough moments in life and you have to actually trust and you don't know what's going on, what is your plan? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, in the end, we know things always work out for the best, but you might have to go through some difficult times. And so, you know, marriage is a small resemblance of that of our relationship with God a small tiny analogy of that Mm. of you know having that vulnerability being willing to trust even when it's not comfortable or it doesn't seem right Mm -hmm. and having that faith that that person is going to have your best interest and in the end Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely. well and how beautiful is it too that this is something that the longer you're married the easier these things become because mm-hmm. you trust the person more, you know, right. and, um, you know, that's what marriage is supposed to be. Right. So we, you know, the more that we trust this other person, the more that we love this other person, the, more, the freer that we become and, um, the freer that you become, the more that you can be vulnerable or, or, um, be open and in through that, then kind of it's just an exponential effect, right? So you become more and more free, you become more and more happy, you become more and more joyful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful thing, you know. Yeah. So it's not it's not like something that that gets harder the longer you're married. I think if you're doing it right, these things different challenges arise, but yeah. the foundation actually becomes more solid, and and it, these things become easier. Yeah, so. I think it becomes where your relationship becomes easier, and the things that are the the environment that your marriage is in becomes harder in some ways, you know? Like But you can lift more then. It's like weightlifting, right? You're you're yeah. capable of doing more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you're stronger interiorly. Right. Yeah. Right. Um Yeah, those are some awesome points. Do you guys have anything else you want to tell us, wives? You're awesome. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's true. Uh, well, Lisa, I would tell you, you could have married a lot better than me. I appreciate that you didn't figure it out until it was too late. <laughs> I would very much disagree with that. So I'm part of a, um, a Catholic working moms group on Facebook, and they had a brag post about um, their husbands. And just like, can we just like brag about our husbands, like those of us who have awesome husbands? And I think of mine, I said my husband is 200% better than me. And so I very much believe that. But that You've also of, admitted that you're terrible at math, so. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you, should, you could be like a thousand percent better. Right, right. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this went off the rails quickly. <laughs> um, no, but I think maybe kind of to wrap things up a little bit, just talking about like, like in all of this, like it sounds like, you know, it's what do husbands want their wives to know? And it can easily turn into like a grape fest. But I think what you're telling us is that like, 
you know, you want the same things that we want too, which is we just want to become better human beings and we want our marriages to be vehicles for that. Yes, absolutely. You know, is that like, I think we all crave the same thing, which is honesty and um, openness and being able to be vulnerable without being wounded by the person that we love. Yeah. And your three points sound like that to me. Which is what we as women want, too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really beautiful. Like, I think we, we put masculinity and femininity on these polar opposites. And in some ways, that makes sense. And in some ways, um, I think there's more to the story than that. You know, when Andy was living with the Brotherhood of Hope up in New Jersey, um, I went up for a football game. He was, Andy was doing um, campus ministry at the time. And I hadn't seen him in six months. And we'd been dating for, I think, like five, six years at that point. And I was talking, we were walking to the football game, and um, I was walking with Brother Jude because Andy was so excited about the football game. I was evangelizing. <laughs> <laughs> the other people that were um, really excited about the football game. But Brother Jude and I were talking about, like, marriage because in my mind I'm like, oh, we're getting married soon. This guy's going to propose at any moment. And, you know, so Brother Jude's talking to me about marriage, and he, he said one of the a very something very profound to me which is he's like Lisa like marriage isn't about you become more feminine and Andy becomes more masculine marriage is about you becoming more and more like each other every single day and that Andy can learn the beauty of the feminine genius and learn those skills himself through his relationship with you and you can learn the beauty of the masculine genius and learn those skills yourself to where you can more and more clearly resemble the Lord himself. Um, and that, you know, it's beautiful things. Andy, I think you've said, it, like, you know, when we first started dating, there were things that you learned from me. Um, like, I'm... Sure. So, like, you were, um, I mean, you were studying art in college. I, you know, my experience with art, I watched an episode of The Simpsons one time. I mean, like, <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I mean, on a, on a shallow level, this girl's into art. Okay, uh, let's start looking at some paintings, you know. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, on a, what really, that was a small thing that um, was indicative of about you and that I loved about you is that you really uh, wondered at things that were beautiful. You know, and it gave me an appreciation uh, just being with you for in beauty for its own sake. That mm -hmm. sometimes that like the end of something is to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's had a profound effect on my life. You mm -hmm. know, that's in a way that I'm, I'm very, very different than I was before we met. Mm -hmm. That, um, you know, my life is deeply enriched for that. I've, I've learned to not only love you and love other people, but love the Lord mm -hmm. in different ways through that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great example of something where, you know, that would, that would be, a lot of people would say it's more of a feminine aspect, but. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and for me, like, I'm just, like, a, clearly being a, a therapist, like, I'm very in tune to emotions to the point where, like, anybody could say anything about me and it would immediately, like, hurt me, wound me to my core. Um, and, like, you've just kind of taught me how, like, I don't have to let everything that somebody says be like sublimated or like taken into who I am. I don't have to like believe everything that everybody says about me and I can let things kind of roll off my back a little bit more. I don't have to analyze every little minutia of what somebody says to me 
And so before, like, I used to be, like, kind of, like, beat up in the tidal waves of other people's opinions and emotions. And, like, you over the years have kind of taught me how to pull me out of that, which actually helps me to love people better. Um, it's And seeing it not as, like, being emotionless, but just as, like, I have my emotions and you have yours. And I don't have to be dragged around by that. And that's kind of a, a masculine genius that you've taught me. And it's actually brought me deep peace in my life. Um, and I think that's what's beautiful about marriage is that it's it's not, marriage is not polarizing. Marriage is about, it's exactly what it says, the two shall become one flesh. And yes, that ho- happens in a moment when in the, in the mass, in our marriage, like when, on our wedding day, it happens in a moment, but it also happens in a very mysterious way over the course of our lives, over the course of our marriage. That there's the state of becoming can happen in a moment or it can happen over years. And I think what's beautiful about marriage is we become more and more like the Lord the more and more we become closer to one another in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Amen. well thank you guys for joining us you have a little bit more insight into who we are now you've gotten to hear us in the context of our (laughs) marriages and our relationships and hopefully you know it's been helpful to your marriages and your Mm -hmm. soon-to-be marriages as well Mm -hmm. and as always reach out to us at those catholic shrinks at gmail.com regina always remembers that and i always forget it You want your questions, your feedback. Also, just from the events of during this podcast, if anybody has any ideas on how to get red tea stains out, (laughs) (laughs) you can send that as well. (laughs) And let us know if you like our guest stars. Maybe we might have them come back if you like them. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't like them, make an upgrade. Let us know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just be explicit about it, okay? (laughs) Say what you mean. (laughs) Thank you all so much, and we'll see you next time.